Friday evening, uh, Monisa and I had some couples from our church over to the house for dinner and uh, a lot of conversation. And early on in the conversation, it turned to pets because one of them had gotten a new pet, indoor pet, a dog, little dog, and been sick already and taking it to the vet and all of that. And then there was another couple that all the years of growing, raising their kids had, had indoor pets. And now they're empty nesters, not only no kids, no pets, and they don't want any more of either. And, uh, and so the conversation just turned to, you know, how with pets we love them, and yet there's a lot of work, right? I mean, you caring for them, feeding, for them, feeding them. Uh, if you take vacation, you either take them with you or you have to lodge them somewhere and they get sick. You know, th- so there's just a lot involved. And it reminded me that um, back in the, in the mid-'70s, there were, there were these, these, these guys who were having a conversation in a bar one night about their pets, similar conversation about how much they loved their pets, how important they were, uh, all the blessings of that. But yet, you know, you had to walk them, you had to feed them, you had to bathe them. Uh, they get sick, they they die, and uh, and and they were just talking about the challenges of all that. And one guy said, "I don't have that problem. I don't have that problem at all." He said, "I have the perfect pet. Never have to bathe it. Never have to feed it." don't have to take it on a walk. It never gets sick. It always obeys me. It's a pet rock. This is a true story. And uh, they were joking about all that. And he got this brainstorm that he was going to start selling pet rocks. Somebody in this room back in the 70s bought a pet rock. Who was it? Did you, Sue? I can believe that. He, he had this idea. He's going to sell pet rocks. And so he found these smooth rocks. Um, I think he got them for a penny a piece from some company off a, a beach in Mexico. And he had this custom-made cardboard box made with air holes so you know it can breathe. Placed it in a, in a nest of straw and produced an instruction manual. Here's some of the tricks you can play with your pet rock. Here, here's how you take care of your pet rock. And in, listen, Christmas 1975, is that when you bought your suit? As soon as it came on the market. This became a fad in 1975. He was featured on the Johnny Carson show, you know, the Tonight Show. News articles written about it. That Christmas, for $4, you could buy your own pet rock. He sold one and a half million of them that Christmas and became an instant millionaire. How about that? You still have your pet rock, Sue? Did, did anybody? I, I went on eBay and I thought, do I want to spend, I, they're eight bucks now. I went on eBay and said, do I want to have one up here just for, a, for a, an illustration? I thought, no, nah, I don't want to waste eight bucks. But uh, uh, just think about that. And, you know, he's right. You don't have to do much to take care of that pet rock. Just make sure you don't lose it because you can't call it and it come. So you got to hold on to it. Um, it's just interesting when you think about Christmas gifts. How many of you have ever bought a gift for somebody and you bought it because you know you need to buy something for somebody but you didn't know what they needed or wanted and you didn't know what to buy them but you bought something? Anybody ever done that? The ones who didn't raise your hand are liars because everybody's done that for somebody, Right? And, and it's amazing. I mean, how many of you remember the gifts you got for Christmas five years ago? Hmm? How many remember the gifts you got for Christmas ten years ago? 
Now, I have two or three gifts I received for Christmas years ago that, that meant a lot to me. And I remember, but, you know, 95% of what I've gotten for Christmas, I don't remember what it was. And most of us are like that. And, and, and with your kids, you buy them these gifts and they end up playing with the boxes when they're little. Or they tear up, they don't, they don't last. And do you know how many gifts are returned? Listen to this. Of, of, thing, of gifts that are purchased on the Internet, okay, this is Amazon and other sites, things purchased on the Internet, one-third of everything purchased on the Internet for Christmas is returned. 33%, one out of three. Uh, things purchased in a brick-and-mortar store, it's, it's only about 5%. Do you know what the number one item that gets returned for Christmas every year is? What do you think? Clothing of all types. So if you buy someone clothing, there's a 50% chance it's going to be returned to the store. Um, and I think most of us get that. What we want to do this month is talk about some gifts that are not returned, some gifts that are not forgotten, some gifts that don't break, gifts that I'm calling gifts that last a lifetime. And, and they're different than what you buy in a store. They're a lot more important. In our house right now, one, one, uh, there's our, our guest bedroom, there's all kinds of bags and packages and gifts in there that we're getting ready to take to the grandkids and the kids and other relatives. And um, the room's just full of stuff like that. And I, I do think most of it is for the grandkids. But the most important gift that Moniz and I will give our children and our grandchildren is not in any of those bags. Now, there are things in those bags that, that, that will make our grandkids smile and will communicate love, and they're important. I'm not saying they're not important. But I'm saying that the most important thing, most important gift we give our kids and our grandkids and our family members, it's not put in any bag and it's not wrapped in any, any package. And the same thing is true in your life. And what I want to do this month is look at three gifts that we need to give our family. And this is especially as parents and grandparents, three gifts we need to give our children and grandchildren, gifts that will last a lifetime. And today I want to start by asking you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. And the gift we're going to talk about today is give them the gift of, of being a model they can follow. An example worthy of emulating. A faith. A relationship with Jesus Christ that is the real deal from which they can learn how to have the same kind of relationship that will do more for your family, for the people who, who are a part of your life than any other gift you can give them. 2 Timothy chapter 1, do you have your Bible, whether it's an electronic Bible or just a printed Bible, you have it? Let's read together 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. Now, the, the, in your notes, I think I have it in the NIV translation on the screen. It's the same as what I have here in my hand, the New American Standard translation. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says to Timothy, For I am mindful of the sincere or genuine faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure, I'm confident that it is in you as well. 
Now, who was Timothy? Timothy was a young man who was a believer in Jesus, a follower of Christ, called to ministry. He was serving as part of the Apostle Paul's ministry team, helping him plant churches. And uh, Timothy was raised in a family where his, his, his father was, was Gentile, his father was Roman, but his mother and her mother were Jews, and they were faithful Jews, and they had become believers in Jesus Christ even before Timothy had. So that was his background. He's not from Palestine. He, he's, he's from that, that Gentile part of the world, and now he's a devout follower of Jesus, and he's, he's working with the Apostle Paul in ministry. And Paul is writing this letter. Second, first Timothy and Second Timothy are two letters that, that the Apostle Paul, who was the first great missionary of the early church, um, wrote to this young man, Timothy, because he might send Timothy on an assignment to a church somewhere, and Timothy might be there for an extended period of time. And so Paul's writing him these letters. And Second Timothy is written near the end of Paul's life because in the latter part of the letter, he talks about his impending death, his impending execution. And Paul was executed, martyred for his faith in Jesus Christ. And so he's encouraging and giving direction to this young protege, if you will, and, and he says, I'm mindful. Something, something has happened that's caused me to think about you, Timothy, and it's made me think about your faith, how genuine your faith is, how sincere, how real your faith is. Now, the Greek word translated genuine or sincere there is, is the word um, hypocrite with a negative on the front of it, so not a hypocrite. What does it mean to be genuine? What does it mean to be sincere. What does it mean to be authentic? It means you're not a hypocrite. You're not a phony. You're not pretending. It, it, the, the word has the idea of, of wearing this mask that hides who you really are. You're pretending to be one thing while in actuality you're something else. And he says, Timothy, that's not you. When people see you, that's the real you. You're not playing this game. You're not pretending on the outside to be one thing, but you're really something else. You're not a hypocrite. You are authentic. You are genuine. You are real. Your faith is the real deal. Now, how do we know what that looks like? Well, let's contrast it with something, or compare it to something. If I say to someone, if I say to my wife or you say to someone you love and that loves you, I love you, and they say I love you, and, and you know, you know their love is the real deal. You know their love is genuine. You know their love is sincere. How do you know that person's love for you is genuine? Hmm? It's not just emotions, is it? And, and, and it's not just the fact that they say it. It's the fact that they've demonstrated it time and time and time again through varying experiences in life, through hard times and good times, when you make mistakes and, and, and forgiveness is expressed and patience is given. It's through the, the behavior, the, the, the ongoing relationship, the give and take of that relationship that we, we just know that certain people in our life, their love for us is genuine, right? There's nothing hypocritical about it. It's the same thing with faith. See, in the family, we, we see each other. We know each other. And when kids are growing up in a family, when grandchildren are with their grandparents, over time, they know if you're the real deal or not. 
They, they know if it's genuine and sincere or if there's a facade, if there's a, a level of phoniness to it, there's a shallowness to it because the truth is you can't fool your kids long term. They know you. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, Timothy, you're the real deal. And I'm, brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm saying that the greatest gift you can give people in your family, especially parents to children and grandparents to grandchildren, is, is genuineness in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Be the real thing. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but, man, it's real. And, it, and, it, and it, it shapes you. Notice what he says about it again here in verse 5. He says, I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, within you, I love that, within you, that first dwelt or lived in your grandmother and your mother, and I'm sure that it is in you as well, the, the lived, the dwelt in. He said this, this genuine faith, it lives in you. It lived in your mother. It lives in your grandmother. It dwells in there. That's the same word in the New Testament that's used for the Holy Spirit living within us, dwelling within us. It's the same word used in the New Testament for God's Word dwelling within us, God's Word living within us. And when God's Word is in us and the Holy Spirit is in us and our faith lives within us, it dwells within us, then that means it influences us, it shapes us, it moves us, it controls us. It's who we are. It's in here. And when it's in there, it makes you who you are. Remember, Jesus said it's what comes out of a man that defiles him, not what goes in, talking about Jewish food laws. He said what you eat won't defile you, but what's in here comes out. That defiles you or that brings honor to God, one or the other. And so, Timothy, your faith is real, and it's in there. It lives within you, and it's strong. It's not transient. It animates you. And it first dwelt where? Where did it live first? In his mother and his grandmother. He had this heritage of faith. They were his role models. And I'm, I'm saying, be that for people in your family. You be a role model. Make it, make it the desire and the commitment of your heart this Christmas that when, when you're out Christmas shopping and when you're putting presents under the tree or you're taking them to someone's house to celebrate at a family gathering or you're opening them on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, make it the commitment of your heart that the most important gift you're going to give your relatives in 2019 is a faith that is real, is on the inside, and it animates how you go about making decisions it animates how you think about life it animates your priorities it animates your relationships it shapes you because there's nothing phony about it your walk with jesus is real you can't give your loved ones a gift any better than that sometime in the last uh year to 18 months i forget exactly when it was I read, and then I had our staff read a book called Why They Stay. It's a book based on research. I mentioned it in a sermon series a year or two ago. Um, that, that just a, a research that looked at thousands of adult children, millennials and so on, who grew up in Christian families, grew up active in church. And this research project looked at those who stayed in church, who stayed active in their faith. 
Not the ones who left, the ones who stayed. And what were the characteristics and, and, and the upbringing of those who stayed? And one of the most important factors in those who stayed true to the faith during their young adult years was they grew up in a home where they viewed their parents as being the real deal. Nothing will drive kids and grandkids from the faith faster than phoniness in the home. Now that doesn't mean if your kids stray, you're phony because they have free will and some of them just make bad decisions, right? But you make a huge impact on your children and their future faith when you are the real deal. Wednesday at the business lunch, and I, I shared with the, 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 everybody there about a man who was driving his car one day in a busy city, and traffic was heavy, came to an intersection, the light turned yellow. And uh, a lot of people did what, you know, people do. They, he, they hit the accelerator and gunned it through the intersection. Uh, we've all seen people do that. May have done it a time or two ourselves, right? But this guy on that particular occasion did what you're supposed to do. He, he stopped. And there was a lady driving a car behind him, and she was tailgating him. And, and when he stopped, she was frustrated. And she stopped right on his bumper, and she laid on the horn, and she started slamming her fist on the steering wheel, and she was cussing and screaming, and she was frustrated. And she just kept doing this. I mean, they're sitting there while this light is red, waiting for it to turn green, and she's just pounding on that steering wheel, and she's hitting the horn, and she's giving him some hand signals. And she's mouthing some words at him through the windshield of her car. And all of a sudden, there's a tap on her, on her driver's window. And as a police officer, he asks her to get out of the car. He puts her in handcuffs, takes her to the police station, puts her in a holding cell. About an hour or two later, the captain goes and opens the cell door and brings her out to the to the, to the counter where they do the booking and all of that. And, and the arresting officer is, is, is there, and uh, he said to her, I'm sorry for the mistake. See, I, I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing your horn and flipping off the guy in front of you and cursing a blue streak. And then I noticed, I noticed on the car a, uh, a, a Choose Life license plate holder and uh, a what would Jesus do bumper sticker and another bumper sticker that said follow me to Sunday school and this chrome-plated Christian emblem, you know, the ichthus, the fish on the trunk of the car and, and, I, and naturally I assumed you had stolen the car. What does it mean to be genuine? Not that. <laughs> What does it mean to have a sincere faith that animates you? Not that. What do your children and grandchildren need to see in you if you want them to be lifelong lovers of Jesus Christ? Not that. See, we're all going to buy gifts and we're going to put them in bags or wrap them in pretty paper and give them to people. But I'm saying, brothers and sisters, nothing, nothing you give your kids and grandkids and your relatives, your friends even, it's more important than the gift of a faith that is genuine, someone worthy of following. An example to emulate. Give them a model. Give them a model they can follow. Because kids watch us, don't they? Hmm? 
They do. And um, they notice things. They see our patterns. They see what shapes our decisions. They notice the outcomes of our values and approach to things. They notice that stuff. And uh, we need to give them a life worth imitating, a positive one. Now, let me start drawing, drawing, drawing this all together. How are you and I, how are we supposed to love God? Do you remember? How are we supposed to love God? Yeah. Let's look at this from Deuteronomy. And Jesus quoted this passage in the Gospels, didn't he? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your might. And, and Jesus in the Gospels took the word might and he, he made two phrases from that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength to explain what it means to love God with all your might, with all your mind and with all your energy, with all your strength. Love God. Now here's the thing. You and I cannot teach our children and grandchildren to do that if we don't do it. We cannot teach them how to do that if we do not do that. You can't teach your kids and grandkids what you don't know. You can't show them how to do what you're not able to do. And if that's what you want for your family, it starts with you. It starts with me. Loving God and showing them how. Let, let your kids and grandkids and your, your relatives... And even, even people at work, neighbors, let, let them see you obeying Jesus. It's okay. Let them watch you. Don't hide. Let them watch you. Let them observe. Let them see you obeying Jesus. Let them, let them see you making decisions that honor Jesus Christ. Let them see you handle issues like a follower of Jesus let them see you showing your love for Jesus, your praise for Jesus, your, your thanks to Jesus. Let, let them see you and watch you and in so doing become convinced that Jesus is real because your actions and your behavior leave no doubt about who you are and who you love. Let them, let them watch you and how you do the, the little things and the big things. Let them see you. Let them watch you. So here's a, here's a mantra I want us to use this month, okay, as we talk about these three gifts today, a model to follow, an example of faith that is real. You ready? Let's look at the first one on the screen. Gifts. These are gifts. These three that we're going to talk about this month are gifts that are taught and not bought. Can you say that with me? Gifts that are taught and not bought. Say it again. Gifts that are taught and not bought. So you can't buy real faith, but you can you can teach it, you can show it, can't you? Gifts that are taught and not bought. Let's look at the second one. Gifts that are lived and not wrapped. Can you say that one with me? Gifts that are lived and not wrapped. Gifts that are lived and not wrapped. Let's look at the third one. Gifts that are given to be regifted. Say that one with me. Gifts that are given to be regifted. Gifts that are given to be regifted. Gifted. All right, now I know you're getting cold, so once you get warm, so stand up. Stand up. I'm going to let you sit back down in just a second. I'm about done. But I want us to say this, and, and, and even though we're much smaller in attendance than normal, I want us to make more noise than the normal Sunday morning crowd makes, okay? I want us to say these out loud so that we, and I, I, want, I want you to just let this sink into your heart. All right, y'all, are you ready? 
Gifts that are taught, not bought. Gifts that are lived, not wrapped. Do it again. Give yourselves a hand. You did a great job. (laughs) All right, thank you. You can be seated. Now, that's what these are. Today, a model to follow, an example of a real faith. We'll talk about two more the next two Sundays, but that's what we're talking about, those kind of gifts. And and these, these have more impact on your children and grandchildren than anything you will ever buy them. So don't, don't short sell this. Don't, don't think this doesn't matter. This matters eternally. Now, if you have your bulletin, inside's a, a, an insert that uh, helps you to take notes while I'm teaching this morning. I want you to pull that out, and I want you to look on the reverse side of it for just a moment, okay? A couple things I want to share with you on the reverse side of that insert. As you know, we're in the early stages of implementing Vision 21. What we think God wants us to do and to accomplish by the year 2021. And just to remind you, and you see it on the banners, our purpose, our reason for existing is to love God, love people, and make disciples. And we said we have three priority commitments for these three years, and you're going to see us start rolling things out to help us accomplish these, to engage lostness, growing disciples, and strengthening families. Today, this month, I want to talk about strengthening families. And I included on your insert the paragraph from Vision 21 about about family ministry, which is a big part of our Strengthening Families initiative. And in the middle of that, you'll see we provide resources and training to help parents disciple their children. Now, this is just a small sample of what we mean by that. But it's how do we partner with families giving you resources and tools to make your family stronger and healthier, both in terms of relationships and your walk with Jesus Christ. And so we'll begin a ministry next year. You've heard me allude to it already called Home First. And it's going to be big and it's going to be really, really impactful. Looking forward to that. But uh, today I want to talk to you about another one that we're initiating right now. So uh, it's called Screen Smarts. Do you see the, you see the, uh, the bottom paragraph on the back of that? Uh, I mentioned this in a sermon a few weeks ago. This is a ministry aimed at helping parents be tech savvy. Helping anyone be tech savvy. Now, here's the thing. Almost everybody has one of these, and they have tablets. Here's, here's, here's the, the risk. Your kids and grandkids know a lot more about these than you do. All right? You've got five- and six-year-old kids and grandchildren who intuitively know how to work all this stuff. And for most of us in this room, it's a learned art, right? There's nothing intuitive about it to us. We, we learn the steps, then develop a little bit of intuition. You can give this to a four-year-old. I was amazed watching our grandson, Liam, who's now eight, I'm, you know, when he was younger. Just don't have to show them anything, right? And what's happening is kids are, are getting this stuff and parents don't know how to set parameters. They don't know how to talk to them about it. They don't know how to put safeguards in place. And so we have, we have young middle school girls who are sending inappropriate photographs of themselves via these things. We have children who are watching pornography and reading things they have no business reading. There's a lot goes on. 
And it's not just for parents. Grandparents, you can, you, you can be a help in this. And so we have, we, we have purchased a license to this ministry called Screen Smarts. And this is part of our Strengthening Families initiative. And what happens, you sign up for it, and it doesn't cost you anything because we paid for the subscription. And it's available to everybody in our church family free to you. And uh, the login information is in uh, your bulletin. Um, and when you, you go to that, that website and you see our church name is the login information, let's go to the next slide, guys, and show them that registration page. That's what it will look like. And you just put in the information. And what, what happens is you receive you will receive an email once a week on Monday, usually Monday evening, for 52 weeks for a year. It's a year-long course. Now, don't think about it being so time-consuming. You don't have time. Each email will take you about five minutes to deal with. And in that email, you're going to be able to either read a blog post or an article, watch a, a four- or five-minute video blog, and each week you're going to learn. You're going to learn about being a tech-savvy parent or grandparent. There will be suggestions, helps for having conversations with your kids about these issues. And, and uh, in fact, I was just looking at week three. Week three is an audio interview that uh, Brian Hausman, who does this, who's, and I've heard him speak, and he's outstanding on parenting issues. Uh, he's, he's interviewing um, uh, Ramey, Dennis, is Dennis Rainey. Dennis Rainey, is that his name? Is that Dennis Rainey. And, and, and they're talking about how once you let, uh, you know, the cat out of the, you know, out of the yard, once, once it gets outside the fence, it's hard to pull it back in. So you better build the fence before you ever give them this. And so this is a ministry we're making available. And now, here's some of you are thinking, ah, that's nice. What's the big deal? I am convinced there are children, and teenagers, and families that are not going to suffer some heartache because some proper conversations are going to be held at the proper time, safeguards put in place at the proper time, and it's going to prevent some children from growing up and doing some really, really damaging things in their lives. And if we can save a few kids and a few families that heartache, that's a great thing. Don't you agree with that? So screen smarts. That's just one example of what we mean when we talk about strengthening families being one of our initiatives and having uh, priorities in having having this family ministry paragraph. How do we partner? Because we, we can't take the place of the home. Next week we'll talk more about this with the gift we talk about next week, but, but the church can't take the place of parents and grandparents. We have a very specific role to play, but so do parents and grandparents. What we can do is partner with you and resource you and help you but we cannot do, this church cannot do what parents and grandparents are supposed to do. But we can help you. And I hope you'll subscribe. Now, you see the little caveat because, you know, this is a ministry and it's funded through these licenses. Don't go out and broadcast this to everybody in the world because every school, every church, every entity out there can buy their own license and have access to everything. This is for us. So share it within our families, but don't go out and tell everybody everywhere else. They can get an individual subscription just because, hey, I, I would love to do that, but that's the, that's the agreement, and we're ethical, we have integrity, and we're, we're, we're not going to violate the agreement. Are we, are we good on that? Because, listen, it may not matter to a lot in our world, but to God's people, integrity still matters. Okay? You don't, you don't sell your integrity just because it feels good. 
or it gets you ahead in some way. And by the way, that's part of having a real faith and showing your kids that your faith in Jesus shapes how you deal with stuff like this. It's just like I told my son Stephen years ago when he's getting all this music because you can get music and you can steal music real easily through technology. You may be stealing it. Guess what? You're stealing it. And it's wrong. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. So subscribe to Screen Smarts. Get those. Now, I, I do need to remind you that uh, your first email may end up in, in your junk folder. Right? Because it's got attachments, so look in your junk folder and then set up a rule so it'll come straight to your inbox. I had to do that the first week myself. All right, let me close with this. When our son Stephen was really young, he was a preschooler, Moniz and I had an appointment. We met with a counselor who specialized in, in children's issues. Not because we were having major issues or anything, but we needed some help with discipline and other things. And so we went and sat down with this professional counselor who specializes in children's area to talk about how to better deal with our little boy. And we learned some things that helped us as his parents a lot. And what I share that? The number one thing that will get in the way of parents and grandparents getting the help they need is pride. Embarrassed to admit, I don't know something. Thinking I can do it all by myself. And I'm saying to you, don't do that. There's, uh, I know Renita over here teaches uh, technology to students. Maybe two or three other people in here are really, really good at it. We've got some employees at Microsoft and other places in this church. But the truth is, 95% of us in this room don't know as much as we think we know about all this stuff. And even if you don't have kids and grandkids, it'll help you. Subscribe to Screen Smarts and learn. Take the next 52 weeks, five minutes a week, and learn. You'll be better able to help others, okay? And it doesn't cost you anything but five minutes a week. There you go. All right. So let's stand up. We're going to sing our hymn of invitation. And um, I recognize that most of us in this service, we have grandkids. Some here have children, but most of us have grandkids. Some of you have great-grandkids. You've heard me preach for 31 years. Some of you anyway. And you know my grandfather was so influential in my life. He was more of a dad to me than my own father. Grandparents don't short sell the influence you can have. You really can. And so I want us to sing during, and, and come to the, to the altar and just pray and do business with God. You know what God is saying to you. Brother Jamie is here. If you want to join our church, you come. And if you want to pray about something, you come. Let's sing together. You come right now.